Coming up today on Locked On Big Ten, Locked On Buckeyes host Jay Stevens is in to talk about all the biggest games from over the weekend in the conference, including Ohio State's loss to Oregon. What does it mean for the Buckeyes' college football playoff chances, and did it shake up the Big Ten power rankings at all? We'll talk about all of it right here on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Coming up on today's show, Jay Stevens is in in just a minute to break down all of the matchups that mattered in week two. I'll say it right here up front. We're not talking about all the big blowouts. There's no point in it, but we'll get to, of course, Iowa, Iowa State. Obviously, we'll start off with Ohio State and Oregon with Jay and touch on anything else that we thought was important to touch on here from the second week of football. Before we get to that, though, I do have a quick apology just from over on Friday. You may notice there was no show up here, and that's just entirely my fault. I I had a show ready to go for you. We were going to talk betting lines. We were going to talk a Big Ten basketball schedules came out. That is going to happen, I believe, on Wednesday. We'll talk that with Asher Lowe. But it was just a human error on my part. It was no, like, computer failure or anything. I just didn't press the right buttons to make sure that it got out to you on Friday, and I didn't notice until I was getting ready to send this show out today. So I'm kind of recording this one a little bit after, of course, I talked to Jay. We'll hear from him in just a minute, but just, of course, wanted to give you guys a heads up. Apologies, no show on Friday. I would love to have just posted it right now and tell you to, hey, go listen back. But again, it was a Friday show leading into a weekend of games that have now already happened. So you probably don't want to hear us talk about what we think is going to happen in games that have now already occurred. But anywho, apologies for the no-show on Friday. We'll, of course, be here every single weekday with everything you need to know on the Big Ten Conference here on Locked On Big Ten. Anywho, before we get to day, Jay, we will get to the news that you may have missed from over the weekend. Of course, we'll talk all the football with Jay, so we won't get to any of the scores right now. But we will get to what happened in the national rankings as a result. AP polls came out over the weekend after the college football Saturday. And the Big Ten still well represented, even though there was a big, big shakeup. The new king of the rankings in the Big Ten is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Deservedly so after defeating both ranked Indiana and Iowa State the first two weeks. Iowa now the number five team in the country. Number five after Oregon actually leapfrogged all the way up into Ohio State's spot at number four. The Hawkeyes get that respect they've earned and now again a top five team over there in Iowa to be messed with. And again, it'll be a great matchup between Wisconsin and Iowa whenever those two play. But I was in at number five. Let's talk about the other ranked teams. Three of the top ten teams here come out of the Big Ten. Ohio State moves down to number nine. Penn State up to number ten. And then looking at the rest of the top 25, Wisconsin is at number 18. Again, picking up a win after that week one loss. And then Michigan slips in after two good-looking weeks to start off the season. Jim Harbaugh's team at number 25 in the nation. Now, is that exactly all of Michigan's doing? Is it really the Wolverine name and brand getting that top 25 voting? That's always the question 
whenever the Wolverines or anyone with that big pedigree slip into the bottom of the rankings. But they'll, of course, have plenty of chances to prove that they're worth that top 25 ranking as the season goes on. Other teams receiving votes out of the Big Ten. Indiana back receiving votes again. But above them, actually, the number of votes received was Michigan State. Mel Tucker and those Spartans getting some respect from the national media after a good start to their season. Michigan State was a team preseason. I was no secret I thought was going to be kind of bottom of the barrel of the Big Ten. At least so far, they've not only won games, they've impressed the people who we think know stuff in this kind of field. But that's our rankings. That's really all the big news I have for you right now. We're going to talk football with Jay Stevens in just a moment. So stick around. Be sure to stay with us right here on Locked On Big Ten. We're going to have a really, really good show lined up for you here today. Before we get to Jay, though, or anything else, college football fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? It's daily fantasy made easy. I love this. You're going to love it, too. Here's how things work over at prize picks. It offers every sport that you can think of, NFL, college football, NBA, really anything. And also more college football props for us fans because college props can be harder to find. People love betting on the pro stuff. The college games can be a little bit more unique. More college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you may have never heard of before when you're making your daily fantasy picks. Again, don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Try it out right now. Prize Picks on whatever app store that you have. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. We're here on a Monday with Jay Stevens, our Monday co-host from Locked On Buckeyes, to talk about everything that happened in the conference over the weekend from the big Iowa-Iowa State game to where we will start Ohio State's first loss of the season to Oregon. Jay, we talked plenty in the preseason about the ways that Ohio State could slip up, what might happen to make the Buckeyes lose a game. But the end of the story always was that talent-wise, Ohio State was going to be the best team it faced or on the field up until it got to a postseason scenario. With everything we discussed, all the ways Ohio State could have lost a game, how did Ohio State lose a game, just its second game of the season? Not being disciplined, not calling some of the right plays. There's a lot of things that go into that. I know defensively, defensive coordinator uh, Kerry Coombs has been on the hot seat. He is in one people have looked at consistently. I also – I've been wondering – it wasn't just la- uh, the game against Oregon – I'm wondering how things have gone in practice because some of the angles we're seeing that are being taken by defenders, some of the things on offense that should be more normal, like offensive balance based off the talent that Ohio State had. We talked about it all all season long. Ohio State has a lot of talent, probably more talent than everybody they're going to face in any game this year. Utilize it properly and you'll win. Ohio State's not using their talent properly. It's not just on defense where – that's going to get the most of the conversation. It's also on offense as well. I'm very confused by the utilization of the players and defense-wise. That's I can go on for 10 minutes about that because I don't understand their thought process, their philosophy, their teaching tactics, and Oregon really exploited a lot of holes that Ohio State had on Saturday. 
Where do you point that finger to? Is it Ryan Day? Is it coordinators? Who is getting most of the questions? It's a mixture of head coach Ryan Day, defensive coordinator Kerry Coombs, every position coach, because it's not just the linebackers that are getting exposed. Secondary is playing pretty good. Not saying you're not. They're playing pretty good. Goes to the defensive line as well because there are numerous times they're reading the guy, the defensive end on the boundary. Nobody is setting the edge, and the running back can just get outside and get a 10, 15, 20-yard gain or a touchdown because nobody's on the edge. It also goes to the players on the field. I'm not letting those guys off. Yes, going to the coaches is easy, but when you're on the field, I talked about it pregame or the day before leading up to the game. I said, if Ohio State plays assignment sound football on defense, they'll win this game. But on defense, linebackers, defensive linemen, a lot of them weren't assignment sound, and it showed. Yes, Oregon scored three touchdowns via basically a sweep left to the boundary, and it, twice I think it was Zach Harris on the D end. Another time it was Javante Jean-Baptiste. Sometimes they're just letting the left tackle go down, knowing the defensive end will follow him two or three yards, and then it just gives an open lane for the running back. Assignment sound football is key, and Ohio State's not playing it right now. I can't just say to the coaches, to me it's a cheap and easy way to go about this. It's a lot to the players as well. These guys have been playing football for a very long time. They know their assignment. They're not just executing. We talked a lot about what happened in the game, Jay. We haven't talked about C.J. Stroud yet. Finished, ended up 35 of 54, 484 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick in the game. It's easy to connect the dots. Freshman quarterback, first big test for him. He didn't win the game. And it doesn't seem like, though, that's the entire story with the stat line that he was able to put up, he still looked pretty good. He did look good. I, I've said it. People are going to ask me, how do I think he looks? He looked like a guy that's playing his first couple of games in college football. That is it. Now, you think a guy, an average quarterback that starts his second game going up against a number 13 team in the country, would you expect for him to throw, complete 35 of 54 passes? Probably not. Would you expect him to pass for 484 yards? Probably not. Three touchdowns? Maybe. But your average college football quarterback doesn't put up that stat line, doesn't do what he does, and doesn't make the throws that Stroud is making. He is just one of those guys that he misses a lot of those high interception at the end of the game that sealed, well, almost sealed the win for Oregon. That was another high pass. I believe it was over Garrett Wilson's head. Stroud has looked good, sometimes really good at times, but he has to learn how to get his mechanics right and to stop throwing balls too high you throw them too high against other defenses in the big 10 and other opponents yeah next week you got tulsa following week you got akron two games you should easily win but once you get back in the big 10 play people know what ohio state is we have seen the blueprint about how to beat them and there's a blueprint about how stroud may mess up to give the defense an upper hand i'm curious to see how stroud the offense kind of make things easier for him down the road and what mechanics we see that are altered so he's not throwing the ball so high. You mentioned teams having a blueprint, teams having an idea how to beat this team. How different is that from previous Ohio State teams, say the last four or five years when they've been dominating this conference and the conference championship game in particular? I think it's different this year because nobody, as far as coaches-wise, on other teams know who's going to play. It's very weird to go into week two and you're not, and I'm going into week three and tall against Tulsa. I believe I know who should be the starting linebackers at Ohio state. I don't know if the coaches know who should be the starting linebackers at Ohio state. I believe I know who should be the starters 
all 11 at Ohio State on defense. I'm not sure if the coaches know what all 11 starting defensive players should be. I think that's the one thing that's the hiccup. Now, granted, Ohio State has a problem. This is not just under Ryan Day on defense, also under Urban Meyer. They get so stubborn and sometimes get a big ego. We have better players. We're going to come out, be in base, do our same little scheme all the time, and dare you to beat us. That's not really the best way to win games consistently. Ohio State has done it, but I do think this year, if they don't make some alterations based off consistently playing the same guys, letting them get get into a groove, and as well as, well, you got to get guys healthy. And your best cornerback isn't playing. Granted, you're playing a true freshman at Denzel Burke, who's playing very well, and I think he's earned a starting spot. But you're not you're not playing the right guys. You got guys that aren't healthy. So much going on on defense. Defense is going to get a lot of the conversation. I can go back to the Ohio State offense. Some questionable calls on fourth down. If you kick field goals, trust your kicker. Even if Ohio State defense plays the same way, Ohio State finds a way to win the game. Well, let's talk big picture, Jay. I don't have to explain about how this doesn't really affect things as far as our Big Ten conversation goes. But for Ohio State, the season is a bigger conversation than the Big Ten. This is a loss on the record already. And while this team could still easily mow through the conference and win the title game, it seems like now we're at a point where another loss for Ohio State would knock them out, possibly of any national title chances. But It's still so early in the season. How are Buckeye fans feeling about this? It seems like a situation where this is the most ideal way to take a loss if you're going to take one. You know, Buckeye fans, they're saying fire Kerry Coombs. I saw one guy on Twitter who has a pretty decent following. He said, bench CJ Stroud. Why don't we go ahead and see what another quarterback can do? And I'm sitting here thinking you guys are freaking out. It's kind of like freak out city right now. Don't freak out. It's not the end of the world. Ohio State has lost in week two previously. I think 2017 against Oklahoma, 2014 against Virginia Tech. One of those two years, they went on to win the national championship. I'm not saying they're winning a national championship this year. I didn't project them to win the national championship. I know this big picture. I have that game circled against Penn State. Yes, it's at home. Luckily for Ohio State, it's at home. It could be a night game in October. But that game's really so circled. I was already looking at the, the Indiana game. It's a home game for IU and Bloomington. But that Penn State game is a whole lot bigger right now than I think it was going to be before the season. Penn State's defense, not bad. Sean Clifford is who he is. But I got that game circled because Penn State's going to start climbing up the, the poles. And by that time, you're going to have the college football playoff rankings out by that time. That game could be as big as this Oregon game. For Oregon, this is bragging rights and letting people know we belong and the conversation is one of the best teams in the country. For Penn State, they win that game. They could be in the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis at the end of the season. Jay, last week to this week, how confident are you in just your ability to be able to get through that Big Ten? We talked about how the Buckeyes can still obviously do it with this loss, but do you feel like now there's other teams like a Penn State, like maybe an Iowa who's looked really good, who are on the same level as the Buckeyes? My confidence is lower than it was, and I'm very happy that Ohio State does not have Iowa or Wisconsin in their regular season schedule. They do have Indiana. They do have Penn State. They do have Michigan, Big Ten East. I'm not so much worried about Maryland, Nebraska, or Rutgers right now, as of right now. But those three schools that I mentioned earlier, Indiana, P. 
Penn State and Michigan. They all bring something different to the table. The Wolverines look a lot better than I expected and maybe a lot better than many expected, especially since you lose a star wide receiver and Ronnie, Ronnie Bell first game of the year. They look pretty good. So those three teams, Indiana, Penn State, and Michigan, I think those three games are going to be a whole lot bigger. Michigan's always big. Indiana game's bigger than it normally is. Penn State, really big every year. I think those three games, if you're a Buckeye fan right now, you're not just looking to dominate the next two opponents. You're looking to get and make some alterations quickly so that when you do that, you can see, oh, our coaches are fixing things now, no matter who the opponent is. Other teams down the road better be nervous because they're quickly figuring this thing out. Well, the Buckeyes have some time, as Jay mentioned, to try and figure things out now. And you know they're going to be a talented enough team to be able to win plenty of ball games, no matter how much they figure things out between now and the next couple of weeks. But obviously the Big Ten tough. There were a whole lot of other Big Ten games. While Ohio State's loss may have ended up being the biggest news of the day, it was not the biggest game going into the weekend. A top 10 matchup between Iowa and Iowa State for us to talk about. A whole bunch of other really garbage games throughout the Big Ten, too, but a couple other competitive matchups to discuss as well. We'll talk about it with Jay here in a minute as we continue on Locked On Big Ten. Are great if you end up needing to go overnight or something like that, where you just got to make sure you're not going to sweat at all. You follow the instructions, just wipe it under your arm, and you're seriously, it says good for a whole week. I haven't gone a whole week without using any sort of other deodorant to actually test that out, but it has been foolproof whenever I've needed it before. It's little packets you can slide into a backpack for an emergency, or again, just the stick of deodorant they have. Works wonders too. Better than most of the other deodorants I find up there at the top shelf that cost so, so much. So again, sweat block is the place to go for all of your needs as far as sweating a little bit too much. Head on over to sweatblock.com and see what I'm talking about. You won't be disappointed. I'm sure of it. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten, here to tell you a little bit more about Built Bar, helping you get the show here today. Built Bar is the place to go for all of your protein needs. They have more than 15 grams of protein per bar with less than 5 net grams of carbs and 5 grams of sugars as well. It's all the healthy stuff you want without any of that unwanted filler, but great flavor too. Built Bar has 100% chocolate in every single bar, and these things taste outstanding. People are loving the new grasshopper flavor. It's supposed to be a little bit of a play on the mint brownie Girl Scout cookies that people like so much. So you can go and try that or any other flavor out right now at BuiltBar.com and save some money by using our promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So you know these guys are legit. That's Built Bar helping you get the show here today. And we thank you, Built Bar. Back here on Locked On Big Ten with everything you need to know about the conference every weekday. I'm Nate Dickinson with our Monday co-host Jay Stevens of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. You can, of course, hear his podcast on everything Ohio State every single weekday, just like you hear all of our Big Ten news every weekday, too, over on his show. Be sure to subscribe, like, all that kind of stuff. If you're a Buckeyes fan, give him a chance. Jay's here with us to talk about not the Buckeyes anymore. We spent the first segment talking about Ohio State's loss to Oregon. Now let's go around the best of the Big Ten and start with Iowa and Iowa State, Jay. The other big non-conference matchup of the weekend pitted up against these two in-state rivals. And Ohio, Iowa came out with another big win. Defense looked really good again. 
Honestly, there's things we can talk about with what the offense was or wasn't able to do, but it was another defensive dominant showing from Kirk Ferentz's team in what's just another solid, it seems like, roster that he's put together. This team's going to be really, really tough to beat. It doesn't seem like anyone's going to be blowing out this team anytime soon. If you want to beat them, you're going to have to grind through a whole four quarters, and that's exactly how Iowa likes it. It is. It exactly is. Iowa State, Iowa, uh, number 10 versus number nine. It's a very even matchup. I know some people will say this is an upset based off the rankings to me. No, nah, I mean, it's an upset if you want to go that route by the number. I look at, this, look at this and say, these are two even teams, evenly matched teams, you know, against Iowa State. Iowa State's offense is Brees Hall, and you're trying to figure out who else is going to be there. He's amazing. But who else is going to be there to score points and to move the ball? It's kind of hard to find a guy to do so. But Iowa knows that going in. You try to slow down Brees Hall. It's a, it's a good big ask. 16 carries, 69 yards, 4.3 yards on the uh, yards of carry, excuse me, with one touchdown. I like him a lot. But Iowa knew if you try to slow him down and limit how many times he gets into the end zone, there's a good chance he'll win this game. 27-17 win for the Hawkeyes, and their defense looks really, really good. Jay, I'm just kind of thinking around right here just off the top of my head. This team has looked really, really good against a couple of really, really good teams to start off the season. I'm going through the rest of that side of the Big Ten. I don't think Iowa's going to face another offense that's as good as the two that it's faced here in these first two weeks of the season. Who in the Big Ten West is going to be able to put up points against the Hawkeyes. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't. I was thinking about this the other day, and people were talking about Graham Mertz and the one game he had last year, his coming out party, five touchdowns in a season opener last year, but then didn't do anything after that. I haven't seen anything from Graham Mertz that makes me believe he is that guy. Yes, he did win the job. Jack Cohn got hurt. Jack Cohn decided to transfer because the team was all in on Graham Mertz. That's a lot of what happens when a guy gets injured. That, that's, that's sports. We're used to that. But I don't think Graham Mertz is an upgrade over Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn, not a quarterback that I think is a world beater or an amazing um, future All-American kind of guy. He's not. But I don't know if this is truly an upgrade over what Jack Cohn was, what Jack Cohn could have could do this year with this Wisconsin football team. Graham Merce doesn't scare me. Tanner Morgan in that offense doesn't scare me at all. Even if they had Muhammad Ibrahim, I, that doesn't scare me. Nebraska, enough said. This might be the team in the Big Ten West that their offense might be able to do just enough to beat everybody. Their offense won't need to score lots of points because their defense won't force their offense to need to score lots of points. Iowa? By many, Big Ten West champ playing in the Big Ten Conference uh, conference Championship game in Lucas Oil Stadium at the end of the season. And the way, they, the way they look early on, it's a really good chance they'll be there. Yeah, Iowa does still have to play Wisconsin. I think I, may, I, think I said that they had already had before. No, obviously they have not. But that's going to be uh, if the biggest test if Wisconsin can put its offense together throughout the rest of the regular season. But you're right. I mean, Minnesota – Without Mo Ibrahim, definitely not, but I, I don't think that poses as big of a test as what Iowa has already faced so far this season. Any team can get out there and put points up in the Big Ten, but up until a game against an Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, I feel like this Iowa team, with how good it looks right now, is 
really just kind of paving its path to that matchup. Can it end up slowing down an Ohio State offense to the extent that it is able to do with everyone else? That seems to be the big question that's kind of starting to form through the first couple of weeks in this Big Ten. If everything plays out the way it has been, that's kind of what it seems like it could be. This Ohio State offense against this Iowa defense for a Big Ten title down the road. That seems like maybe the two strongest units in all the Big Ten when it comes to just what you have on the manpower there. But going through just the Iowa matchup, a 27-17 matchup for a win for the Hawkeyes to get that W. Jay, was there anything else in the Big Ten that you saw that you thought needed noting? We had a Minnesota team barely squeak out a win against Miami of Ohio, if I, I had it right. I think that was correct. Yes, yes. And uh, Rutgers won against Syracuse in a low-scoring game, 17-7 to as well. Everything else was really kind of a blowout in Big Ten wins. This was that warm-up week for a lot of teams that the first week was not. So we saw a lot of not-so-exciting matchups. But was there anything of note that you saw just out of kind of those teams that were getting in just really reps? Not really. Nothing yeah. really stuck out. I could point out some negatives or things that kind of were alarming. If Minnesota doesn't have a run game, they really don't have an offense. Uh, not I don't like to end things negatively, but even, okay, Moab, Muhammad Ibrahim, he's not there. We saw what that was against Ohio State. If he's not there, they're going to struggle to score, move the ball consistently. That's their offense right now because I don't think Tanner Morgan is a guy that you can trust to make big throws with the Oregon game. The one thing that popped out to me, one, it's good to score 61 points in week one, and you need a test like this in week number two to really test somewhat of your manhood to see, uh, can we, can, how, when I get punched in the mouth in football, not literally, but figuratively speaking, how do I bounce back from that? We saw how Rutgers did. Rutgers off of the line has trouble pass blocking. And it was alarming. Now, granted, some of the time Syracuse was sending some pressure. A lot of times it was a three or four man rush and Rutgers was really having trouble, 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 trouble with the pass blocking. And that's one thing you, you can look, but I do like how they bounce back. Nobody scored in the first half. Had a, had a missed field goal. I think, I believe a missed field goal at the end of the first half. Another missed field goal in the second half. 